Welcome back to Write, Read, and Write. I am Adam Preston Perrell, and as always, I'm joined by Josiah Seth Gray. Today, we're continuing our chat about plot structure. We'll be moving into a new realm today called The Special Worlds, and it is so, so special, even if it's so similar. And just like last week, we're going to compare this to the Act 3 structure, focusing specifically on the first part of Act 2, or as we'll call it, Act 2A. Before we do that, Josiah, would you just quickly summarize the key concepts from last week? Yeah, I could try. I might forget some of it. But uh, so basically, last week we were um, Adam did the the first bit of the hero's journey. He talked about uh, you know there how the hero is called to an adventure and meets this supernatural mentors often yeah and then leaves uh this ordinary world and goes into the special world which we're going to be talking about and that's very similar to the act uh the three act structure for act one uh which we talked about so there is an inciting incident where you know that that kicks off this adventure the hero encounters something that that pushes them into this this new world and then they leave uh what what's normal what's ordinary for them and they go into somewhere else that's just like me. Every time I go to a new country, I'm going into a new world. And then, exactly. I mean, I think that's all of us. Like every time we go to college, we leave college, we go to a new workplace, we're entering in a new world. And, and I just want to make sure that students, you know, can relate to that a little bit. Even if you always live in the same city your entire life, always have the same school. The moment you don't, you're going to be entering a new world. And it doesn't have to be a, a new location. Sometimes it's just is like a, a new state of being. So, uh, yeah, St- Spider-Man getting bit by a radioactive spider. He or, doesn't. Or what? Or you getting married. Or me getting. Exactly. That's a, ooh, that was a new world. <laughs> uh, so it, does, it doesn't mean that you're going somewhere else or that you're even, you know, that different of a person. Uh, Peter Parker is still Peter Parker. He's just also a superhero. And that changes his life. He's still a teen. He's still going to high school. He's still in New York City. But now he has this new world of being a superhero. Fantastic. So now that we have a good context of what we did last time, I want to uh, get some suggestions. Uh, And this is one of my favorite parts because I feel like, you know, we can take a little bit of our own lives and transfer it to our listeners about what we do and what might work for them. So, Josiah, what's your suggestion for this week? Yeah, I guess these suggestions are great because they can show that we actually are real people and we have personalities and we have lives. And what uh, you currently, say, AI robot. <laughs> I'm a very advanced AI. Thank you very much. And I would take that as a compliment. I feel like AI are so undervalued in the literary world. Uh, but for, for me, for my personal life, uh, for what's happening here, it's the season of book querying. And I, I guess it actually, it always is like that. But currently, uh, pitch wars and a lot of pitch, pitch contests are kind of gearing up for uh, this. They happen around this Christmas and New Year's time. And so they've have just opened their 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 submissions pitch wars that is and so i'll be submitting them again last year uh, this year I, I didn't get in last year and that's fine um i probably wasn't ready anyway um but i would encourage you dear listener if you have a book and you're kind of stuck on it and you're just like i i don't know what to do i'm, I'm kind of needing you know something to push me this it's a great uh kind of 
way to re-excite yourself about of writing for me it's it's given me the kind of motivation to go back to my my current work in progress and edit it and and try to improve it and and submit it again um and it, it is probably too late to join pitch wars this year unless you like submit today i'm spinning right after this podcast um but there are other pitch war uh, pitch contests coming up that's author mentor match rev pit you know a lot of different ones so just kind of try it out it might give you some umph to to keep going. Adam, what's your suggestion? Well, instead of submitting to pitches, what I want students to do has nothing to do with writing whatsoever. I want you guys to exercise. And when I say that, I just I just want you to do it. And and no, I'm not sponsored by Nike, though I will say I'm willing to accept a sponsorship from Nike anytime they could keep me in running apparel. I think I just spent 60 bucks a day getting new running shorts. Like a couple pair, not just one. Not that crazy. But sixty but, sixty for running short. Well, they have the inner mesh and they they like they're not gonna shrink when my I anyways. But like the focus isn't on running shorts, it's on exercise. Because seriously, listeners, it's always worth it. Always, always worth it. And it leads to a good balance of good physical feelings, adequate mental boosts, and it really saves you a lot of money and health problems when you get older. I know you don't think a lot about that when you're younger and you're students, but getting into good exercise habits now is, is going to pay off. And just a little bit each day with some progress will lead to a sustainable and healthy future. So, yes, students, listeners, please find an exercise you like and do it. Yeah, just do it and get that, that dopamine, serotonin dump into your brain and, and feel you know, great about life. It's always a yeah. good thing. Yeah, like me. <laughs> <laughs> you are always very chipper, Adam. So maybe it's maybe it's all that running you do. Um, I only run like a mile, and I probably should run more, but it, it gives me enough of a boost. But uh, I think that's enough of our suggestions. We should probably get into the topic a little bit. So what's super important this week is uh, the special world uh, that our hero is moving into. Uh, and that's why you know our title for this week is you know special means sparkly. That's our title. So Adam, um, can you... Give a bit more uh, info about, you know, what is this special world and what makes it so sparkly? Sure. The special world is the moment after you cross the threshold and choose to take on adventure or difference. The special world is when the hero has accepted their role. Remember, at first, they have to reject it. The mentor comes and promotes it and they then take that step. They start to accept their role and... They see the world differently. So, for instance, if it's marriage, you're now a married individual. You have different ideas and concepts of how you will share your time, space, and future. If it's Peter Parker, you're now Spider-Man. New York City is still the same place, but your interaction with it is different. That change of perspective is the sparkle. It's sort of like when Pokemon, you get the same Pokemon. It's a shiny Pokemon. It's the same Pokemon. It's still the same move. It's shiny. And it gives you a little bit Everyone of loves something shiny. If it, all you have to do is have a little sparkle and everyone wants it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, think, I think that's about it. I mean, when I say it doesn't have to be big, it could be huge. It could be like the Matrix, which I'll be using today, where your entire perception of reality is different. And you're really plugged into a giant machine in, in a vat of pink goo and, and a world run by robots. Or it could be you went to the seventh grade and you have the math teacher that everybody hates. I mean, that's that's just different sparkles are different yep and sparkles can come in a you know in tiny little glitter and 
giant flashing LEDs. I don't know. There's there's a lot of different sparkle out there. So it's up to you and your choice, your your writing, I guess, and also kind of your genre and story. What kind of you know flash, and glitz and glam you want to add to your special world? Yeah. yeah. Any final thoughts on that? No, I mean, I I really feel like it's 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 really hard to define because it really can be anything that's different from the ordinary. And if the ordinary is the status quo, the sparkle is just what what will cause your character to change. What environment will they be in that they will change and adapt and journey through? That's what you got to think of. And it's perspective because what's ordinary for me might be extraordinary for you. Like uh, uh, growing up, uh, I lived in another country that was that was normal for me. Uh, if that was, you know, someone else, that would be quite extraordinary. That would feel special. But for me, you know, I, I was homeschooled for a long time. You can judge me later. Um, but uh, going to a public school was that special moment for me when I left being homeschooled and, and went to high school. That was that was special, even though for the average person, they're like, what, high school? No big deal. That's ordinary. So it's all about perspective. But let's uh, let's now apply this to Hero's Journey. I, that's, that's your department, so I'll leave you with that. But uh, what are some of the you know, important things when you think about um, when we're entering this special world for Hero's Journey? All right. So what I would like to say is like once you take that step across the threshold, for most stories, the hero has to fumble. Okay, whenever you enter the special world, whenever something's so different, if the hero doesn't fumble or stumble or fail or do something like they regret, then the the movement wasn't too shocking. The the difference wasn't so big. And I think making that initial mistake is really important. And in the hero's journey, we call this the belly of the whale. Um, and that goes back to a biblical reference of the book of Jonah, uh, where he goes into the belly of the whale before he realizes that he needs to go on a different journey in his life. And my example this week, I'm going to stick to uh, The Matrix. It's the first Matrix, an excellent movie. My mom snuck me out of school to go see it. I will always remember it. Um, but so Neo decides to take a pill, that same crossing threshold, and he wakes up and he's in a vat of pink goo. And he can't walk. He's never used his muscles. He's being like drained out of the machine. He's falling. He's being picked up. And he's like, it's it's almost like his life has gotten worse. He's decided to take the step and things are bad. And this is where he's going to grow from. Um, and then, I mean, if, if you haven't watched this, The Matrix students, you definitely should. It was a paramount movie from the early 2000s that sort of changed the way we we used special effects and the way we used philosophy and science fiction. Um, but then after the, the belly of the whale, you know, your hero is going to recover. And Neo, our main character, he wakes up and he finds that he's in a metal world full of darkness. And if he plugs himself in, then he can go back to his his ordinary world, but he'll have a different perspective. And but before he can actually do that and survive, Morpheus and the squad that's with him, they put him through something called the Road of Trials. And in other movies, this is, let's say, for Ender's Game, as he progresses, uh, Ender progresses through the squads he's having to go through different battles and wars and having to deal with different social situations and he plays games on his little pad um differently and he's going through all these trials to grow and develop well neo he gets you know he learns kung fu and there's a, a famous scene where like they upload kung fu into his head he's like oh yes i know kung fu and then they upload all these guns and he learns how to use them and he jumps from roof to roof and he learns that gravity doesn't really matter 
And these are the road of trials that he has to overcome. And he's learning some skills that will eventually help him with the big bad boss fight later. But it's something that he has to go through. And, you know, often a hero is going to fail a test. And that's okay. And, and you'll see that in fantasy novels, which is not something I can really talk about because Josiah will kill me. Um, <laughs> but, but you definitely see that in science fiction as well. You'll, you'll see, uh, like in Ender's Game, Ender... Uh, will make a, a flop and he'll have to learn from failure, which is important, I think, for, for everyone to go through. But then they'll also have a lot of great success and that's demonstrating some growth in your character. For, let's say, a romance novel, The Road of Trials might be the dates that somebody goes on uh, and tries to impress the one suitor or multiple suitors for a woman or like the ladies for the men. They, they might have to, like, you know, get off of work early and hide it from their parents. You know, that might be one of the trials to go meet one person or they might have see their ex on a date and have to hide from their ex while they're dating somebody or out on a date and having some dinner. Like there are all these comic comical things in which a person is growing within the new world. And then one of the last stages of this that I want to get to is what's called uh, meeting the goddess. Now with meeting the goddess, Usually, it's a distraction for the hero. It's, it's uh, it can it can be a woman in, in the Odyssey, and uh, if you look at ancient, like Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey, uh, the Odyssey has, an, a point where, uh, Odysseus goes to an island and he he talks to a goddess and she, tempts him to stay on the island with her and he's really tempted instead of going back to his wife. He's like, well, this life on this island is great. I'm surrounded by great food. There's this great woman. She's into me. She digs me, and he forgets his purpose. And a hero has to get over that. Now, for Neo, that is him and his sort of obsession with sort of being a human in the world. And he does have Trinity, but I don't think she represents the goddess so much as it's, it's him coming to terms with his love for being human and living in the world that he had recently left. So the goddess doesn't have to be a person. It's just the temptation to leave the journey behind for a, a, a different idea a, away from the original conflict. And I think that's enough for the hero's journey today. You start off with failing once you cross the threshold. You then get to a road of trials, and this is where you gain some skills. Um, often you fail, but you learn from your failure. And then you get to a temptation and you overcome that temptation. And I want to tie this to the Lord of the Rings, but I will do that after Josiah talks about his business because I don't want him to kill me. Oh, well, you're a long ways away, so it'll be a little bit difficult for me to kill you. But thank you for, for giving me some space to talk. Uh, so what we'll just... We're going to tie this into the three-act structure again, just real quick. And um, as like the last one, there is a lot of similarities and differences uh, here. Uh, a lot of them are mostly the same, but they go by different different names. Um, one thing that you'll notice about the the hero's journey is it's pretty character focused, in my opinion. It's very focused on the hero, whereas the uh, the three-act structure is very focused on kind of plot, which is probably why I like it. I'm very like action-oriented as a writer. Um, I like keeping the pace moving. Um, and so this one, it's built for a screenplay. It's built for movies. So a lot of times it's more focused on, on things that are happening. So what you're going to notice uh, with the three-act structure is they have these plot points and these pinch points. So there, there is 
one plot point and one pinch point in the first half of Act 2, and then there's another plot point and another pinch point in the second half of Act 2. And that's why we're kind of splitting uh, Act 2 into two parts, because it's a, it's a big chunk of your book. It's over half your book. Uh, so it's kind of important to separate these a little bit. But uh, with plot points and pitch points, just to kind of separate these in our mind, plot points are, are big events. They're, they're significant moments. They're, they're game-changing moments in the story. Um, something turns and changes the direction of the story. So the first plot point is the one we talked about, you know, breaking into Act 2, this moment where our hero commits to the journey uh you know luke goes on the millennium, millennium falcon bilbo joins the dwarves and gandalf they leave the ordinary world go into the you know, special extraordinary world and this is our first plot point pitch points are a little bit different because this is mostly just the antagonist uh something happened happens in the story something bad happens that reminds you of the antagonist's power and this doesn't have to be an actual person a uh, lot of antagonists are um are non-human or you know not even they might be in terminal internal antagonists which we'll talk about with bilbo in a second but think of the martian um he's he's surviving fighting just to survive in that movie and book uh, but that doesn't there, there's not aliens that he's fighting against so there's not any you know obvious force uh, but bad things happen and these pitch points are those moments where he he's like oh yeah if i don't do this right thing i'm gonna die here so our first pinch point that comes after our first plot point is um something bad happens that tells our our hero that you know they you know that this is a bad situation that the special world isn't easy okay so um bilbo and the dwarves you know they're camping and they see they're cold they have no food they see a fire they go to the fire and oh crap there's a bunch of trolls and the trolls you know take them and put them into bags talking about whether they're going to squish them into jelly and this is a, a big bad moment and this is a pinch point obviously the trolls aren't the big bad of the hobbit it's smaug and he doesn't even come in until the end of the book but we can tell that you know adventures aren't easy adventures kind of suck and that's our antagonist here because bilbo's gone this journey to realize hey you know maybe life isn't you know adventures aren't as fun as they all get and a lot of times the first part of act two we, we is called fun and games because you know the it's kind of happy go lucky and nothing bad has happened that's not always true like adam was talking about obviously neo waking up in a, a pot of goo and realizing oh the world sucks and i am a human battery that that's not such a, a fun happy moment but th there isn't anything super bad happening yet the the you know the villain hasn't really shown up in the first half as much and what we see is that the hero is just kind of reacting he's not actually he or she are not actually doing anything to fight back bilbo he isn't at the place where he can fight back against the trolls. He's just kidnapped, and that's it. What happens next after this? Uh, the hero, of course, survives this pinch point, and we get to, you know, more stuff happens. A lot of stuff happens in between these big moments in a book. Uh, you know, moments like, uh, you know, Bilbo and his company at Elrond's house having, you know, a nice little chat 
and some food and the elves are singing and stuff. That's not really a big moment in the book. It's kind of filler. And so there's a lot of filler between these big moments. So when people are structuring a book, they focus on these big moments. And then the, they realize, yeah, what are these kind of elements, these scenes that we want to add in between? But the next big moment, the one that moves us from the first half of Act 2 into the second half of Act 2 is a mirror moment. There is this dark moment where the hero you know, questions um, their choice to go into the special world. And this is a, a really big moment because it divides our book in half normally. It normally comes right smack dab in the middle. And it's called the mirror moment because sometimes in stories, the hero literally looks into the mirror and is like, you know, who are you? What have you done? Why did you do this? Um, for Bilbo, that was when he's in Smaug's cave, not Smaug's cave, in Golem's cave, and he finds the ring and stuff. And he escapes, of course. But there is this moment where he's like, why did I come on this adventure? This was the dumbest idea I've ever made. What? But this moment, of course, the the hero is like recommits to this adventure, to the to fighting back. And in the case of Bilbo, he 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 gets the ring. He fights back against Golem. And from that point, throughout the rest of the book, uh, our protagonist is actually stops reacting and starts doing stuff in the story to actually make a difference. And that's why this is a big moment. All right. So I feel like this, this mirror moment is much like meeting the goddess and, and, and a little bit of a, a sense. And I'm going to, I'm going to tie your Hobbit to Lord of the Rings, which you'll love. Um, and oh, yes. Lord of the Ring, Fellowship of the Ring. What is the meeting the goddess moment? Who's the goddess? Ooh. Uh, at a halfway mark in the she fellowship. Calls herself. She, no, oh, Gladriel, of course, yes. Yes, because she calls herself that she would be a goddess. And, and that's the temptation of Frodo to hand over his journey uh, to her, like to give her the ring and to end it there. And she is tempting him with that. And, and it's tempting herself because that's important for Frodo to understand that he could have ended the journey earlier by not following through and jumping off the ring. He could have just given in the ring in. Now, this is, of course, after he's left Gandalf, but then they go down to the river, the orcs show up, and Sam and Frodo escape themselves in the river. And I think it's either Frodo or is it Sam that gave a speech while they're in the boat talking about how terrible life is and they wish they hadn't done this. Do you remember who it was? I don't remember. I've... I don't remember. No. So, so and then that's, that's that mirror moment where they're looking like, Look at everything that's happened. Look at look at like Aragorn killing the orcs and the, everything's in slow motion. This might be the extended version of, of the Fellowship of the Rings. It might not be the theatrical cut, but because it, it's a very extended scene of like, you know, Aragorn running off and, and Pippin and, and them getting like kidnapped. And there's just like everything falling apart at the end. And Fred was like falling into despair right at the end of the movie. So there is definitely a um, that that mirror moment. It, is extended in the extended version they, they do stretch it out a bit more it is still in the, the theatrical cut but what's fun about that is we even have a mirror in the mirror moment because he looks into the mirror of gladriel which is the, the little pool <laughs> yes and that's also like again meeting the god meeting the goddess and having that opportunity like and she also gives a gift and and you know you'll see that gift being used later uh in the lord of the rings um, when, in, when we were talking about the matrix, it's not so easy to say gift because the gifts are sort of skills and ideas. 
Um, they're a lot more structural when it comes to Lord of the Rings. But again, that's fantasy. And I'm not allowed and, to talk about fantasy. And, and You're allowed to talk about fantasy. I'll just hit you. Um, so with Matrix, would you say that the goddess moment was uh, Neo learning from, um, from Morpheus or was it the Oracle? I haven't watched in a long time. Well, if we're just talking about the original Matrix, then it might be the Oracle. Um, it's, it's hard to say when in the moment because the thing with science fiction as opposed to fantasy, like the science fiction models, and actually a lot of stories don't follow the monomyth 100% in order. Uh, sometimes they'll rearrange events to fit whatever plot they have going on or who they want to fulfill each role. Um, but I would say probably meeting the Oracle and, and being able to bend the spoon and having that sort of concept of difference and being able to actually affect the world around them. But he doesn't sort of have, he doesn't, he doesn't have the temptation of giving up like Odysseus does. Um, So I I think, I think, uh, again, like I said, I think when Joseph Campbell made this, this monomyth theory, he he made it very broad. and, And I think he generally stated like, there might be some deviations from this, but I do think the Oracle gives him a, a bit of a skill. And I think that actually might be the boon, which we'll be talking about next week versus the right. goddess. And what's important uh, for our listeners to remember is that uh, each story, uh, this is this is kind of a story structure, uh, but each of these stories, especially for the hero's journey, which is also called the monomyth, uh, if you forgot what that's called, Adam will refer to it, the monomyth. So <laughs> that, it's a hero's journey. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but the, the monomyth, the hero's journey, uh, there's a lot of elements to this, and some stories might have them or they might not. There are some things like the inciting incident that if you don't have the Call of Adventure, the story is not going to actually happen. It has to be there. But like meeting the goddess, it might be there, it might not, or it might be such a small moment that you forget about it. Some of these are, you know, all storytellers are going to exaggerate or relax, you know, different elements. And, and some people really enjoy the hero's journey method, and they actually follow it, like, beat for beat. I just like some people follow the act structure beat for beat. Um, and some people, they, they just totally ignore it. They said, this doesn't work within my, my context. And our, our goal in this podcast is just sort of introduce the idea of how you might structure your story or how you might understand a story as it's being played out to you. Right. Now, we're, we're getting a little bit long, so we should probably move on and, and wrap this up. But um, anyway, moving on to kind of the homework, like Adam was saying, so there's this movement from you know, ordinary world and into the, the special world. And that's incredibly important here. So um, thinking about comparing uh, the ordinary and special world is, is what I want you to do for your homework. So think back to the last book you watched or sorry, book you read or movie you watched. If you want to watch a book and you could do that, it'd be really boring. But anyway, watch a movie, read a book, um, and think what is the special world in this and compare that to the ordinary world. Uh, this sometimes literal, uh, like, you know, Dorothy goes to the, you know, Oz, and that's a, she's literally leaving Kansas, going to another place. Um, Alice literally leaves England and goes into Wonderland. Those are actual places. Um, well, they might have just been in their head, but who knows. But this could also be metaphysical. 
like, or sorry, not metaphysical, metaphorical, like we were talking about with, you know, Peter Parker getting bit by spider, uh, by a radioactive spider and becoming Spider-Man. He's still in New York. He's still a teen. He's still in high school, but now he's also a hero. And so he's moved into this special world. So Adam, what's your homework? I want special world from the ordinary. You don't need to have your special world be so far out there, so different that anyone would trip over themselves. It can just be a small thing. In some novels, the special world is the same world, much like with New York City, but with different circumstances or the addition of magic than Harry Potter. Like, he lives a normal life. He didn't know he was doing magic. Take your surroundings and spice them up. Look around your house, look around your town, and think, what would make this world a little bit different that would just be weird for me and I'd have to get over it and grow? What would it take to, to have anybody have a journey or an adventure within your environment? How would that journey change them? Yeah. Example of Freaky Friday. The yeah. exact same the exact same world. All that happens is the mom and the daughter smash together and switch bodies. But now they're in, you know, that's a very different experience if you're in someone else's body, even though you're in the same family, same house, same life ish, but it's very different. So, um, all right, I think we did it, and we somehow talked for almost like thirty minutes. That was oof, that was a lot. So I think we're definitely done, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah, right. Good, yeah, right. Done. Good, yes, fantastic. So uh, this has been right, read and write. So thanks so much for listening, and we'll see if you see you next time.